Uh, you can start up whenever. In fact, we are live right now. So Woo! thank you, everybody, for joining us and for checking out the live stream here on the Facebook page. You are either watching us on the uh, Infinity Sports Facebook page, RTF, or maybe YouTube Live, one way or the other. I'm going to kick things off here with our video intro, and then we will jump right into it. we got a lot to go over. Jordan. What's up, everybody, and thank you for joining us. I am back, so it is back to uh, the pros here. We had the Joes on Monday, <laughs> and we got the pros today. <laughs> uh, I'm Wayne G. In case you didn't know, our names are right here. I'm joined by Dan Sully Sullivan, my uh, usual co-host. Hey, how we doing, folks? Yeah. What's popping? I know it's they're always it's uh, the backwards thing is so hard to do. <laughs> Uh, obviously, you're, if you're watching us, I've mentioned it before we went to the video, you are probably watching us on Facebook, but we are also available on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Now, that's the audio versions because on the RTF Sports Network, soon to be the All-ACCS Network, we are going to be broadcast at 1 p.m. on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but they only play for an hour. So if our show runs a little bit over, you might miss some stuff. Check us out on the podcast pages or YouTube to see the video. I highly recommend checking out the video because we got a lot of visual stuff. Yeah, most of it. Plus, you get to look at my beautiful face. You know, you can't go wrong with that. Um, so, you know, I get it. You get the luscious voices with the audio, but the video is so much better. Yeah, for sure. And if you wanted to interact with us, we are available on Facebook at Infinity Sports Podcast, Instagram at Infinity Sports Podcast, and Twitter at Sports Infinity 5. Very interactive. We do take your questions. You can actually send us questions right now, no matter what platform you're watching on, and we will post them on the screen and reply to them if they are you know, repliable. <laughs> you can also check out infinity sports That is the official show website. We have access to all of our social media, all of the podcast links, as well as a store where you can get great infinity sports merchandise. 12 is greater than nine is a popular uh, thing as well as our Sully collection right now, which is just the one sure. I mean, not, I say one shirt, you can get sweatshirts you can get t-shirts. You can get, you know, whatever you want, but it's the uh, gold jacket, green jacket who gives a shit one of his favorite movie sayings. I was trying to come up with some of my favorite movie sayings to see if we could just do a bunch of movie sayings. <laughs> and uh, the one I thought of that I love is from The Princess Bride, and it's uh, Prince Humperdinck, also the voice of uh, Jack Skellington. His name is uh, Chris Sarandon. And he uh, says in the movie, he's on the horse, and he goes, unless I'm wrong, and I'm never wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great shirt for you, man. Great movie, too, by the way. Fantastic. That movie's got probably a thousand quotes you could pull from it, quite honestly. Oh, it's in my top five of all time favorites. I mean, it should be. It's just, it's brilliant. It's it's comedy, it's action. It's it's such a great movie. It really is. There was a point, actually, where I knew by heart, like, like from the <laughs> yeah, like from the time that he's helping Wesley, uh, Indigo's helping Wesley up uh, from the cliffs. All the way through him fighting like all the three different people. I used to know all the lines by heart. Really? Um, That's a little I mean, intense. There's, there's so many just hilarious lines, oh, you know, right. and I mean, that are subtle. I mean, just subtle, you know, hilarious lines. And so 
I, I think of the line when he first sees Andre the Giant, like he's kind of coming up the hill, <laughs> and that rock like explodes against another rock. And he pulls a sword out. You know, Andre says, uh, I did that on purpose. I don't have to miss. Yeah. I believe you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 100. That movie's so fantastic. It's so good. The, what, the fight scene that you mentioned when Rodrigo fights uh, the main character, and then there's randomly a metal bar that they swing on in the rock. <laughs> like, that makes me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it really does. Every time I see that, I just die laughing. Well, and that's where I do, uh, and I think I've done it in previous episodes, my Wallace Shawn impersonation oh, is yeah. uh, that scene where Indigo, uh, he's like, you know, kind of kill him when he gets up to the top. Otherwise, if he falls, whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, Indigo says to Vizzini, who's Wallace Shawn, he says, uh, I shall do him left-handed. And uh, Vizzini <laughs> goes, you know what a hurry we're in. <laughs> <laughs> God, that movie's, now I'm going to have to go watch that movie again just to relive it. So we do have a big show, a lot of stuff to get to today. We're going to talk a little bit of NBA, a little bit of NHL, and then we're going to go through a bunch of NFL games. we got all the spreads, we got all the over-unders, and we're going to see how good Sully can do against me, probably a lot better than me because I'm doing a lot of guessing. He's I'm crushing like, it, man. I'm crushing right now. I, I don't think I've missed a pick on this show other than the over-unders, which I admittedly hate. I, I, I think I've told most people to stay away from them anyway, but I'm crushing these spreads right now, baby. Just ride the H, ride the Sully train right now. That's right. Bet whatever he's telling you to. Yeah. So that will lead us into one of our favorite segments, the news. So the news we usually jump right into this day in history. I want to do a little bit different this time. I actually talk about a couple of news things. Then we'll get into this day in history and then the scores and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the number one news thing, I think, obviously, one of the biggest stories in sports. I got this thing. Gail Sayers passes away today, 77 years old. Uh, one of the greatest running backs of all time. Uh, just obviously it's sad. I mean, he was 77. So he lived a pretty good life. I mean, that's not terribly old but you know i guess they said he was living with dementia so for a football player that's hella old yeah super old. it's running back too yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um but no i think that the thing was was funny is i was trying to find a video to kind of intro that instead of just the screen image and when i was trying to find videos of gail Sayers, I-, I highly recommend anybody go watch video of gail Sayers and the him playing because he was barry sanders like before barry sanders like his juke moves and his stop on a dime and cut back was insane he would 100% be able to, to play today, in my opinion. He had the ability to be a – maybe not an every down, but he would 100% be a crazy, insane good pass-catching specialist at the running back position right now. And and the way you could put him – and he could do so many things. Let's not forget he was a tremendous kick and punt returner also. Uh, I mean, he was extremely versatile. Gail Sayers' game was, was something that was truly special. It really was. And we talk about, you know, statistics and whatnot. Gale Sayers was injured a lot of his career. That's one of the big knocks on him. And if you look at his stats, though, and his averages, he averaged five yards per carry. And to give you an idea, obviously, Walter Payton averaged 4.4. Emmett Smith averaged 4.2. And, you know, Barry Sanders averaged five. But like I said, those two running styles, if you were to put Barry Sanders on one screen and Gale Sayers on the other, their running styles are so similar to each other. Oh, for sure. They, they definitely mimic each other. And, you know, they're just elusive is the word. You know, when you think you've got a guy bottled up and he gets out, that that is Barry Sanders and Gail Sayers to a T. They're both so extremely elusive. And if so you haven't the, speaking of movies, if you haven't seen Brian's song, you're slipping. Go watch it. 
you got to see Brian's song. It's one of the make guys cry movies. Oh, easy. I mean, you yeah. ball like a little weeping baby in that movie. And I put up that I think Field of Dreams is another one. Yeah. Like, like those movies, you just see. And it's funny because, again, I'm thinking of another movie, and we're getting, I could do it movies all day long, but yeah, getting into another movie <laughs> is uh, Sleepless in Seattle, right? I've actually so, never seen it. Oh, so it's, it's a funny movie. Uh, obviously, that's the first movie, I think, that uh, Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks did together. Uh, and then they did You Got Mail, whatever. Yeah. But um, Sleepless in Seattle, basically, Tom Hanks is widowed. And uh, Meg Ryan is engaged or whatever. But they live basically a country apart from each other. She's like New York. He's in California or, or Oregon, Seattle, something like that. And basically, she hears him on a radio show kind of talking about his wife who had passed. And she kind of just almost like falls in love with him without ever seeing him. Oh, wow. Um, so anyways, th- there's a scene where they're talking about the movie The Love Affair um, with uh, is it, is it Warren Beatty. I can't remember. But where the, the people meet on the top of the Empire State Building. And uh, they're talking about and these girls start crying. I think it's uh, Meg Ryan and her friend. who had, might be Rosie O'Donnell. I can't remember. But they're uh, talking and they're crying, talking about the movie. And Tom Hanks and his friend, who I think was played by Rob Reiner, like they just like look at each other like, that's a chick flick. You know? <laughs> and they're like, oh, come on. Like, you guys don't get emotional about movies? And they're like, well, I mean, you know, the dirty dozen. <laughs> and then somebody's like, yeah, well, who doesn't? And then they start crying. Like, when he's throwing the grenades down the chimney. <laughs> <laughs> I love Tom Hanks, too. So I'll have to, I, I honestly, I'll have to check it out. I don't mind, you know, watching, you know, not action or whatever, you know, like just standard kind of rom-com movies. So I'll, yeah. I'll definitely have to check it out. Um, back to the news. I guess a little <laughs> side check. Yeah. Uh, the thing that you had sent me, I didn't see it, but you sent me that the uh, San Diego Chargers, L.A. Chargers, that before the game, that we got cracked ribs here for Tyrod Taylor, which is why um, uh, the rookie there got to start, Dennis uh, Herbert, right? Yeah, Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert. So he gets to start, and the whole game they're talking about how uh, Taylor had these cracked ribs. Well, come to find out, I guess he was getting a shot to get rid of the pain for the cracked ribs, and they punctured his lung when they giving him the shot. Yes, the own team doctor punctured the player's lung and honestly now the team doctors and and medical staff is recommending he sits out the season indefinitely so they they are now recommending he sits out the entire season <laughs> so like this well, is insane the the lawsuit that i would bring upon like there's got to be something he can do now i don't know like truly what he can do but there's got to be something apparently this doctor has a long list has a long history um he he lost his surgical license in 2017. He was raided by the FBI for writing himself 108 prescriptions, like all kinds of shit. And somehow he's a team doctor for an NFL team. It blows my mind. I don't know how this happened. See, it makes sense to me because I feel like the NFL is all about cover-ups, covering up everything. And so you want to get a guy who's shady to kind of do all the shady stuff for you. I I personally think giving a guy with cracked ribs an injection so he can play and get hit in the ribs is pretty shady. But at the same time, I mean, if you have to understand you've been an athlete, you would go out there and do the same thing. Honestly, let's be real. Tyrod Taylor probably asked for the shot and said, Hey, my ribs hurt. I can play just numb the pain and I'm good. So, so I, I don't, I get it that it's, it's kind of a shady principle but i mean let's not be real the player wasn't deceived nobody was being deceived in the whole situation so uh, i don't think it's he's also a grown man so it's not like a high school situation you know so but the medical staff is there to protect the players from themselves you know it's like i think of that the 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 image i remember was penn state i think it was when the quarterback got his bell rung and then like they left him in the game and he was like walking in the wrong direction yeah yeah I bet you he wanted to play. You know, but it's the medical staff's job to say, "Listen, man, 
yes, I, I don't disagree there. Uh, I mean, to be fair, the the doctor probably gave him. You know, the doctor's got has to have your best interest at heart too, but he can't force you to actually do anything medically. You know what I mean? And I think that's kind of the situation here. Uh, obviously, you know, a quarterback playing with cracked ribs is is a, not a good you know, mix of things to happen is he's most likely going to get re-injured. But I mean, the lack of care to puncture somebody's lung is just, I, I can't, I, I literally, I can't fathom that. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like I said, I told my wife that he's probably not the team doctor anymore. But <laughs> yeah. And I'm terrified of needles too. So this just cements that more into my brain. <laughs> uh, the last bit of sports news that I had, I thought this was uh, actually a fantastic hire. And this kind of leads into our infinity five later. Billy Donovan getting hired as the head coach of the Chicago Bulls. I love this hire. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I don't think he should have been fired in OKC. Um, I, it was I a think, mutual parting of ways. Okay, uh, I didn't see that. Um, you know, I think he's a terrific coach. I mean, I, I mean, shit, I'm living in Gator gear right now, so obviously I'm going to sound a little biased. But I, I think Billy Donovan is tremendous. I think it's extremely hard to make the leap from college to the pros, and I think he's been very successful at it. Uh, I think he's a good X's and O's. I think he's a good players coach. I don't think he's great. You know what I mean? But I, I agree. I think it's a great hire. And I, I mean, the the young talent on that, that Chicago team, I think is in for a great, 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 uh, you know, up uplift with coach Donovan here. Now, I think it was uh, the soup boss actually asked me, he said, you know, what do you think now happens with Zach Levine? Does he continue to build around Zach Levine or do they move him? And I said this is a kind of a running joke with us because Brandon on his show Triple Shot Sports has way or no way, and I like to say kind of way. I don't have any <laughs> <other> questions. <laughs> and this was a very kind of way thing where I think that you know obviously you want to try to build around Zach Levine because he's a tremendous talent, but at the same time the rest of your team is one or two years in the league. So if somebody's willing to offer you a top five pick or a top ten pick, for, you got to listen to that. I mean. Not only that, do we really think Zach Levine's like a centerpiece of a franchise? I mean, I, I don't. So. I don't. I don't view him as that. I think he's a great player. I think he's a Chris Middleton. I think he's a. Um, I think he's a cusp. I think he's you know he's maybe a top twenty-five at best, top thirty guy. I, I don't think that's who you build a team around personally. I think you want to try and go out and get a, a top fifteen guy if you can, or, or try to have a top fifteen guy. I think that's the only way you can be really truly competitive. Uh, and again, like you said, obviously, if a team offers you the world for him, you, you snap, take it. Well, I'm not even thinking the world. I'm just thinking if you can get a, a young well, college player coming into the draft, you know, yeah, just you know, continue building on that youth. And, and you think about like teams like Minnesota, right? Minnesota's got the number one overall pick. Now, I'm not saying a straight up trade, the one, I mean, you'd have to probably, Chicago would have to send back some first round picks too, you know, but I like Zach Levine with D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, that would make a nice little team. Oh, that'd be a, a great little trio there i mean see but that's the thing is they've got cario Anthony towns who's a top 15 player you know what i mean so i i, I it doesn't put the onus and all the weight on zach levine's shoulders all right now that leads us into our this day in history and i didn't really do any graphics for this day in history so i was very lazy with the graphics uh going into this episode but that said i still have some great this day in history starting off with my favorite one which is i have september 20th 1973 the Battle of the Sexes, Billie Jean King beats Bobby Riggs, uh, 6-3, 6-3, 6-3. Uh, this was a huge, huge deal because Bobby Riggs was the number one ranked player in the world back in like 1947, 48, 49. And this took place in 73. He was 55 years old. Yes. But the thing was – Not he a lot of people it. know that, by the way, so I'm glad you said that. He actually – and 
and at first I wanted to use that against her in a way, but the reality was that this all came about because Bobby Riggs had said that women are so bad that a 55-year-old like him could beat the number one women's player. And he wanted to play Billie Jean King, and she declined, so he played some other woman, beat her 6-2, 6-2. And then Billie Jean King said, all right, I will play you now, because she was like the number one or number two ranked player in the world. Yeah. So kind of, it was kind of like if you had Jimmy Connors today playing at Serena Williams. You know? Serena Williams would dog him. <laughs> so, you know, it's just it's it was an unfair matchup in a way. But I understand it did great things for you know title was it title eight and, and all these things like women's uh, lib. It was great, but I do think that it gets a little overboard with the fact like he's a, he's fifty five, she was twenty eight, twenty nine in her prime. So let's not make it out like if Serena Williams beat Roger Federer, that would be nuts. I think Roger Federer would demolish Serena Williams. Demol- even right now. Um, yep. Now, Roger Federer isn't 55, but he is on the twilight of his career. Um, uh, I agree. And, and I'm glad you mentioned that point because it does – you have to put it in context. You really do. Um, I, I think you know Bobby Riggs was spouting off at the mouth and got what he deserved and got his comeuppance. At the same time, you know I don't think the number one women's player in the world would ever beat the number one men's player in the world. You know, so I, I, you know, was that his initial point or his overlying point? Who knows? But regardless, I, I mean, I honestly, I think Serena beat a lot of, you know, top fifteen guys. If I'm being honest, mm, I think she'd have a hard time with the fiftieth ranked guy. See, I don't know, man. She hits with power and plays with power. I think, I think the standard woman would. I really do because of the power separation. I don't think tennis is is like that different of a game. You know, like the women can stay there agility, agility wise and things, but the power is where I think it would be different. Serena comes with power. So she comes with power, but the big difference is going to be that she comes with power and a lot of her competitors don't. So to be faced with somebody who does, I think that would pose a problem for her. And when I say power, I don't mean serves. Obviously, the serves are a little bit different. She serves her hard. I'm talking like a forehand cross court or something. I think like a backhand, like a backhand cross court. Same thing. Yeah, a guy can put mega spin on it and tons of power. Now, nobody that she plays against can hit the ball to the corner from this corner like a man can. Yeah. And I'm talking like this is the 50th ranked man, whoever it is, Jonathan Yazvanovic or something. Right? He can, <laughs> Jonathan Isner, and you would have been right. Yeah, all right. So, um, she would have a really, really, really hard time. And, and that kind of leads into the discussion that my wife hates. My wife hates this discussion, which is that men are better than women at sports. It's not sexist to say that. It's just true. Our bodies are built different. We're physically stronger. We're faster. We jump higher. We do everything athletically better. And I I say that and I say, you know, there are things that I do believe, honestly, that women are better than men at. I do believe that. But sports is not one of them. And so when I see like these things like, well, the the highest paid WNBA player makes 250,000 and, you know, Steph Curry gets 250,000 per shot or something like that. Well, that's the way it should be. Because the NBA generates ten billion dollars a year, the WNBA is almost bankrupt. I agree. And and flip that though to men's soccer and women's soccer, and I I agree that women should be paid more than men in soccer because in this specific instance, you know, they're generating more revenue. They they win more games. They win more titles. They should be paid more. So so it's not like I, I'm only siding with the men here uh, i will but i 100 percent agree with you men are built to be physical we're built to be 
stronger, faster, bigger, everything like that, just naturally. So I don't think it's, like you said, I don't think it's sexist at all to say we're better in sports. Well, international women's soccer does better than international men's soccer. Specifically, that's what I mean. I did say U.S. I said U.S. men's and U.S. women's. But I'm saying they shouldn't get paid more. Like 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 Kristen uh, Pulisic should make more than anybody on the women's team because he plays over for like uh, whatever SC Barcelona or whoever he plays he for. Does. He gets paid for by them. What I mean is the U.S. national team pays for their own players. They pay their own players. The U.S. women's team generates more revenue and wins infinitely more titles than the U.S. men's team. We're the number one women's team in the world. That team should be paid more than the men's national team, in my opinion. Christian Pulisic makes his money from his club team, not from the national team. Right. So he shouldn't get paid more from his national team. When he wins a fucking World Cup, I'll pay him a ton of money. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) By the way, I love Christian Pulisic. He's a god. U.S. soccer, we never talk about it, so I'm going to spit a little bit. We are really good. Gio Reno's a stud. We've got a lot of talent in the back. I'm telling you, U.S. soccer is on the come up, folks. I'm really excited to see. Is it Destus? I think is. uh... Somebody I'm excited. He's like the 17 year old or the 18 year old that uh, they got. He's I think he plays abroad as well, but he's like 17 and he's on the U.S. national team. There's a I mean, there's a bunch. There's a there's a kid I can't pronounce his name. De La Fuente who plays for Barca, who plays for the U.S. national team. I, I mean, there's a I mean, there's a ton. We're we're actually really 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 good now. Gio Reyna plays for Borussia Dortmund and is a consistent starter and balls out. And he's you know 19 or 20. They're so young. Also on this day in history, July, not July, September 20th, 1987, Walter Payton scores his 107th rushing touchdown. He would finish his career with 110. That is fifth all time. Do you know the four players ahead of him? In just rushing? Rushing touchdowns. Emmett Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerome Bettis. Nope. Ah, Curtis Martin. Nope. Uh, all right. Ladanian Tomlinson. Yeah. Marcus Allen. Wow, that's what I would have never gotten. Adrian Peterson. Ah. Yeah. So, Damn, I would have thought Frank Gore or Curtis Martin would have been snuck up there. but So Barry Sanders has 99 uh, rushing touchdowns in his career. Emmett Smith had 164. Now, I only bring that up. I'm not trying to say Emmett Smith is better than Barry Sanders, but there's a lot of Emmett Smith versus Barry Sanders debate in the world, and I feel like a lot of the Barry Sanders people, who they should think that he's better, really crap on Emmett Smith, and he is an all-time great running back. I don't care about his offensive line. I think you put Emmett Smith in Detroit, he still runs for 1,000 yards every year. See, I'd love to see that. I'm I'm not the biggest Emmett Smith fan. Um, now He's I, a gator. I, no, I know, but I mean, like, just in like that, like, I don't have him in my top five running backs of all time. Wow. Um, he is in my top ten, so don't lose your minds, folks, but he's not in my top five. I have... LT, Marshall Falk, Barry Sanders, Jim Brown, and Payton? God, I mean, there's going to be one more. What? Yeah, yeah Walter, Walter Payton. Yeah, Walter Payton, take your choice. Walter Payton, I'm a big Earl Campbell fan, too. Um, you know, I, I, like, so I don't, he's right there on that cusp. It's just for me, he's not in the top five, but that doesn't take away from his greatness. The, the, the game he had with his separated shoulder, I, I mean, the amount of pain he had to be going through and to still ball out like that and consistency. I don't care. Like if you, you try to hate on it, but like, I mean, the guy just came every year and just did his thing. I don't, I I don't care if he had an all pro line. 
Like he was a stud. I agree. And I do want to correct a lot of the Barry Sanders people who don't know football, which is a lot of them. Um, oh, I mean, most which, people don't know football. Let's be real. Yeah. But they'll say, oh, well, Barry Sanders didn't have a great offensive line. Barry Sanders had perennial pro, pro, yeah, pro bowlers. Uh, Glover Brown and Lomas Brown yeah. was a stud. I mean, he used to throw people around. Lomas Brown was a stud. But the problem with Barry Sanders wasn't his offensive line. It was the fact that he never one season played with a Pro Bowl quarterback. Like, his quarterbacking was just junk. Awful. I mean, it was terrible. It's what the Bears are going through now. Ah. <laughs> no, they're 2-0. <laughs> All right. So we got September 22nd, 1911. Cy Young gets his final win of his career, number 511. Mm. I think we agreed that's probably not going to get broken. <laughs> <laughs> Who's this? Do we? Who's the active leader in wins right now? Oh, active. I'm gonna I'm go. Bet, I'm gonna go. 179. Exactly. That's what I mean. And we'll be active wins leaders. I have to. Bartolo Colon with 247. Yeah, he's done. Yeah, and then Justin Verlander, who just had Tommy John's at 226, and then beyond that, it's Grinky at 208. So nobody is even close to touching that record. Now, the one area where I could see it actually being broken, because you know how baseball is always kind of evolving and doing weird things, right? Is if you had one of those situations where you just have starters pitch three innings and then you kind of have nothing but relief pitchers and then that guy who pitched he three innings. He doesn't qualify for a win. Well, they would change it because you can't qualify oh, for the win. change the word? Really? Yeah. Is what you mean? Oh, okay. Because let's say yeah, I go in and he plays for three innings and he goes up two nothing, right? And then you've got six relievers come in and each none of them give up a run. Who do you give the win to? It's got to be the guy who pitched three innings, right? No, it's the guy who who came in after that guy. Even though he pitched one inning? Yeah. He, so, he gets say, so that guy then gets 500 wins because he's coming in and getting the win every year. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's really hard to do, though, because then you're dependent on five other guys doing their job every night. So let's see here. Comments. Uh, let what we got here? Chago Bonds. Hey, Sully. You find the chicken place? <laughs> I did find a chicken place. Uh, so I'm up in Tallahassee, and I can't find any fried chicken to save my life. If you are from the Tallahassee area, don't say Guthrie's. Don't say Lindy's. Guthrie's is not a chicken place. It's just chicken tenders. They don't sell bone-in chicken. That's not a chicken place. Uh, also, uh, Lindy's is closed, so I can't eat Lindy's. They shut down because of COVID. Uh, I went to a place called Early's, which is like a cafeteria kind of, and that shit, it was pretty good. I mean, it was all right, but I appreciate it. He he mentioned Chick-fil-A, so he can go suck it. <laughs> <laughs> I see you, though. I appreciate you for watching, man. Thank you so much. So, yeah, September 22nd, 1912, another old-timer. Eddie Collins steals six bases in a game. That huh? is That is still a record, and he did it twice. Wow. I didn't know that. I really didn't know that. Eddie Collins, by the way, folks, if you don't know him, look him up. The guy's a stud, arguably the best second baseman of all time. Uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a stud, man. Now, also on September 22nd, 1966, only 413 fans show up to Yankee Stadium for a game. Now, in Tampa, they call it a sellout. Exactly. That's a, that's a <laughs> huge crowd in Tampa, baby. <laughs> was there a reason? Why, what year was it? Uh, 1966, and there was no reason listed, but I put it down there just so I could make fun of Tampa. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine with that. I get it. I really would love to know. There had to have been something going on. Was there like a protest of the war or something? No, there must have been, yeah. See, yeah. Uh, oh, love you, man. Uh, so Chago Bond says, love you, man. Talk to you later. Appreciate it. I love you too, fam. Uh, yeah, there had to have been something going on, but that's wild. That is, I mean, that legit is a sellout at Tampa. 
Now, this one is another trivia kind of one for you. I have uh, September 22nd, 1969, Willie Mays becomes only the second player to hit 600 home runs. There are now nine players with 600 home runs. How many of them do you think you know? All right, let's do this. All right, so we got Albert Pujols, um, Hank Aaron. um, Damn, I don't know if he got there. Barry Bonds, obviously. Um, Sammy Sosa. Um, how many is that? That's four. That's four. I'll give you Willie Mays because we just have Willie Mays. So yeah, because we just that's I didn't think I needed to say him. Yeah. So yeah. there's there's four more total. Four more. Yeah. Um. Damn, I don't know if he got there. Griffey Jr. Yep. Oh, let's go. Um. Three more. Huh. Frank Thomas. Nope. Uh, Mark McGuire? Nope. <laughs> I didn't think Mark was for sure. That's, that was the first one that I said. I don't think he was, and then I remembered Sammy Sosa. Um, I mean, t- Babe Ruth? Babe Ruth, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I forgot him, to be honest. <laughs> I'm literally sitting I'm like, did I even say Babe? Um, two more. Did Frank Robinson get there? No. Ah. And it's 600, right? Damn, I don't know. Jim Tomei. Ooh, sneaky Jim. Yeah, and uh, Alex Rodriguez. Ah, uh, see, I didn't think A-Rod. I should have said A-Rod. Damn, oh. I, I don't hate myself. Seven out of nine is not terrible. I think you would have hate yourself if you forgot Babe Ruth. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'd have definitely been like, what? I can't believe I forgot Babe Ruth. <laughs> I legit completely forgot him, too. I was like, he doesn't even exist. Who the fuck is Babe Ruth? Oh, uh, that's funny. Uh, September 22nd, 1991, Don Shula gets win number 300. He ends up finishing his career with 328. George Hallis has 318, and actively Bill Belichick has 274. Now, I know that Bill Belichick would love to pass Shula for all-time wins, but he's 44 wins away. I mean, we're talking three or four more seasons. I mean, is he going to coach that long? I think so. I mean, coaches – I mean, how old was Shula when he retired? I don't know, 75? That's what I mean. And Bill's, what, 60? Is he? I think so, 69, something somewhere. I thought his mother just died, and she was 88. So I don't know. I know that uh, I think it's uh, Carol's one year older than him. Okay. Um, Well, in either – well, Pete Carroll's 67 then, I thought. Okay, so then, yeah, so 66 then. Okay, I could have sworn – I could be wrong, but I thought Pete Carroll was 67. Um, I think he's got plenty of time to do it. Uh, Now – Without Tom Brady, you know, that that becomes a little different because now 10 win seasons aren't automatic. But, you know, it looks like he's found his guy in Cam. Um, I still think they only get about seven or eight wins this year. But, I mean, if you can go another six seasons and, and average eight wins, you're going to take it over. So, All right. I think he I'd gets like, there. I'd like to see him pass him just because I know how much Shula hates Belichick. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that that's a mutual feeling. Yeah. Uh, and so I would love to see um, – him pass uh, Shula just for spite, and, and just say something at the press conference that really just rubbed <laughs> it in. <laughs> um, September twenty third. This is the last one I have. Nineteen eighty eight. Jose Canseco becomes the first player to go forty forty. Uh, this is MVP season. Obviously, two other players since then, A Rod and Bonds, have both gone forty forty, and. I have always said, and you can probably disagree with this because this is just maybe my fandom, you know, how it gets to be. <laughs> I've always said that if he stayed healthy, Bo Jackson could have been the first 50-50 guy. 
I mean, it's hard to argue. It really is hard to argue. As he kept going, as he was getting better, yeah. Fifty-fifty is just such a crazy number to think about that it, like, feasibly, it doesn't sound like it could happen. But I mean, Bo would have been the one to do it for sure. I mean, his his power speed combination was insane. You know, it, we talk like you mentioned the three other guys who who have done it, and Bo was faster and stronger than all three of them. So, I, I mean, you know, feasibly, I guess he could have done it. Um, do you think we'll ever see 40-40 again? I don't think Oh, we'll, yeah. Well, I, like think, I, said, I mean, Acuna missed it at, what, three home runs last year or something? I mean, he was close. Yeah, but it, it, I just don't think people steal bases as much anymore. I don't know. It's it's just a thing that's kind of dying, in my opinion, but I, I'd love to see it. I, I think it's fantastic. You know, Tatis and Acuna are the two guys that we have hope that can do it, uh, I think, coming up. So, yeah. And that'll lead us into our actual sports, talking about the scores, talking about the games. And basically, we're going to kick things off. I wanted to ask you about the NHL playoffs. I know you probably talked about it with Jesse on Monday, but I know we, we were talking early on when he said, all right, if it's the Stars and the Lightning, it's going to be just a pounding by the Lightning. And then the Stars came out 4-1 in Game 1. Um, and then, of course, the Lightning bounced back 3-2, not quite as big a blowout in Game 2. It's 1-1. Do you still think it's going to be like four one, or do you think yeah. the stars have enough to make this a seven game series? No, I think I think it'll be four one. If you remember, we we started the Bruins series the same way. Um, you know, that game one was such a rare game. So in in a twenty eight minute span, Dallas had four shots. They scored three goals. That, that doesn't happen in hockey. It just doesn't. Um, so nothing like that's probably going to happen again. We also hit three posts and two goalie skates. So, I, I mean, it, it was a much closer game than the scoreline depicts. However, I, I do think they're, you know, they're, they're playing extremely good hockey as a team and, and they're very difficult to beat. They're big, they're physical. As I mentioned before, their defense is insane. Elsa Lindell and John Klinberg are legit bona fide studs. Uh, they can legit lock your first line down and, and so, you know, we're relying on other guys. And luckily, Lightning are deep, and I think we'll pull it out. I think we'll win the Series 4-1. All right. Um, getting into the uh, – Real quick, Stamkos was skating around, and there is a little hope he can play if the series goes deep. Um, if we're up 3-1 in Game 5, I would expect to see him anyway as kind of like a – like shift. Yeah, kind of thing. Um, but if we're, deep, if we're late in the series and it's 3-2, 3-3, we need a win – I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Stamkos. Right. Yeah. Uh, heading over to my genre, the NBA, we've got the Los Angeles Lakers lose 114-106 of the Nuggets, but they're still up two games to one. LeBron has a triple-double doing his LeBron thing. Anthony Davis only two rebounds, which is kind of tough. He had 27 points, but really it was, uh, you know, Jokic did his thing. Murray <clears throat> busted my bubble because I said he wasn't going to score more than 22 the whole series, <laughs> but Rondo let him get off. And then <clears throat> Jeremy Grant's what really killed him, 26 points for Jeremy Grant. Um, so it's the supporting cast that kills you there. Well, not just that. You mentioned Anthony Davis's two rebounds, and then JaVel McGee and Dwight Howard combined for two rebounds also. They had a total of four rebounds out of their center position. I yes. mean, that just that just can't happen. You're going to lose every game that that happens in. I mean, let's be real. Um, I, I, I expect a bounce back in this series to end 4-1 too. And I did hear you say Monday, and you were correct in assuming that I still think that Joel Embiid is better than Anthony Davis. Um, I do think he is the best big man in basketball. I had this debate on uh, Facebook as well, on the uh, Facebook All Sports. I was saying, you know, I think that he is the best big man. Now, we've talked a million times about how the best ability is availability, and he has very little availability. Plus, you know, when he is available, probably 10% of the time, he's just playing, not really caring. You know? Yeah. 
But the other 90% of the time when he's available, he's ridiculously unstoppable. So 60% of the time, it works 100% of the time. <laughs> right. um, no, I mean, there's no denying the kid's an exceptional talent. I, I don't think I've ever sat here and said that. But for one, even with all of his talents, I think Anthony Davis is the better player. I truly do. I do think Joel Embiid's post-scoring game is nothing we've seen since the likes of Hakeem, probably. Um, I think his his actual post moves and things like that, not just pure dominance, because Shaq just bullied guys. Joel Embiid has a lot of moves in his post in his post game that that work extremely well. But I think Anthony Davis his entire game is just better. I know Joel Embiid shoots threes; he doesn't shoot them better than Anthony Davis. So I, I just I just think that's kind of, and I think they Anthony Davis is the far superior defensive player. So I think that's kind of where he takes the edge. Talent wise, I don't I don't argue with you. Oh, got a little bit of a skip here, just in case you're listening. We got uh, Sully's frozen up for a second. He'll be back. He says usually it has to go around a couple of times. Hey, well, hey there you are. So uh, I was just going to say, what well, leading into from that, we're going to go into the Celtics game, which is going to be tonight. Uh, I believe we've got their last game. This is what blew my mind. It was Saturday. Like, really, Saturday to Wednesday, they didn't have a single game. Like, what's up with that? That's weird, and I don't like it. I don't like it at all. It really kind of pissed me off. Um, I, I don't know why the bubble decided. That doesn't make any sense. doesn't make yeah. any sense. I mean, it's the Eastern Conference Finals. You'd think they'd play every other day or something. Exactly. And, I mean, you know, maybe cause they started before, so maybe they were just allowing the West to catch up, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I know that um, I still like the Celtics to win the series. I know they're down 2-1. But I know, and you guys talked about it Monday, that the two games that they lost, they had double-digit leads going in the fourth quarter, both of them. And they just kind of blew those leads. They do win one, game three. They're, to me, the better team. I mean, there's no reason they should lose. I think Jesse had mentioned that, you know, uh, Stevens is being outcoached. I actually agree with that. I don't know. I, I think that obviously you, you're losing that lead in the fourth quarter, and you can chalk that up to coaching your guys on how to play the fourth quarter. But I, in the same way the Celtics have been the better team for 80% of the series, I think that Stevens has still been the better coach for 80% of the series. It's just 20% of the time he's getting outcoached. Uh, I don't, but it, 20% of the time, is it's the most important time, which makes it 80% of the time. no i mean so i think like i because i mentioned that too as well you know on monday that the celtics have been the better team for the majority of the series they really have they played the better basketball it's just at certain times miami has turned it on and and been able to i don't know make the celtics look awful like really look awful and and i don't know if it's a combination of miami just hitting everything that they take and the celtics missing everything they take or or the intensity level being stepped up or i don't know what it really is but i agreed with you on, on or i agreed with jesse on monday i think boston still takes the series as well i said it's going to go seven from the jump i think it goes seven uh but i, I mean i think it's going to be a hard-fought series but i think boston still takes it i think they have the better roster and, and no players will come through now, the rumors came out after that last loss that Marcus Smart was throwing things around the locker room and screaming at his teammates. And I would have to go back and watch the end of game two because I know that Marcus Smart is very intense and he plays defense as hard as anybody in the league. Like he is all in on defense. And I think that if you're playing that hard on defense and you see guys like playing off their man who's hitting jumpers or whatever, like you're going to get pissed. 
Well, so he's got to be frustrated. I mean, that's two games in a row. They went into the fourth quarter with a double-digit lead in blue. I mean, for a competitive guy, that's extremely frustrating, regardless of if you're singling somebody out because you think they weren't playing defense or whatever. Just the fact that you lost those games is so, like, gut-wrenching. You know what I mean? And, and Marcus Smart his whole game is built around the intensity he plays. So he's going to carry that into the locker room. That's not surprising. And, and honestly, I love that shit. Like I love to see when players hold other players accountable. Cause that's the only way you get the best out of them. In my opinion. You're like uh, Lou Brown in major league, right? <laughs> Dude, I like that kind of spirit in a player. <laughs> <laughs> that was a decent voiceover right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now we're heading into the what we're really looking forward to here, which is the NFL predictions. And I got some graphics for every game, and it's going to have the, uh, the plus, and it's going to have the over-under. And we're going to talk about the game itself. I guess we'll talk about where we think it's going to end up. I wanted to start with our favorite teams, obviously. So the first game I have here. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Thursday. We got the first game is Thursday. Thursday, right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we got Miami Dolphins are 0-2. They're going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are 1-1. One one. Miami's getting three points, and the over-under is 47 and a half. And I think to myself, like, Miami getting three. I mean, these are two crappy teams to me. I, th- I know that Jacksonville is 1-1. One one. To me, these are two crappy teams. 47 and a half seems like a lot of points for these two teams with basically backup quarterback starting, you know, to put up. Gardner Minshew's balling right now, bro. Yeah. That I, I, I the only thing that worries me about this game, honestly, is because I agree. I, I think Jacksonville's bad. They're playing better than I think they are, but they they're bad. Miami's really bad. Um, but Jacksonville should be a bigger favorite, in my opinion. And the fact that they're not smells really fishy and Vegas will do these kind of things. Vegas will know shit. And, and I don't know, this one smells fishy. It sounds like it looks like jump all over Jacksonville, take the three or give up the three points and jump all over Jacksonville. Um, I don't know though. I think, I think Miami may sneak this one and, 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 but I'm still going Jacksonville. I'm I'm taking Jacksonville and and giving up the three points. And honestly, I'm taking the over too. Wow. So let me ask you this. So let's say we talk about conspiracy theories. Vegas knows some stuff. Not everyone knows, right? Would it change your mind if the day before the game, Tua was named the starter? Yes. Okay. What do you think it, happens then? Um, the spread would probably go up, honestly. But I'd still think I'd take the Dolphins. Like They'd get more points at that point. Uh, like It'd probably go up to like five and a half, I think. Also, we'll see this game. Like honestly, you know, it's so early. Games get changed with the betting, and I think I think people are going to pound Jacksonville here, and and so I think that may change some things. But right now, I've got Jacksonville minus three, and I'm taking the over. Jacksonville scored thirty three. Um, you know, I, I I really think that they're, you know, last week against Tennessee specifically. Um, so I really think they're a team that can score a lot of points. To be honest with you, um, I, I think they can. Put, put them up when they need to. I mean, they put up 27 against the Colts, too. So. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to take Jacksonville as well, but I'm going under okay. on that. Like I said, I hate over-unders. So if you're really following for the bets, uh, really just stick to the spread bets. And then we get into your favorite team here. We've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, one and one going up against the 0-2 Broncos. They're giving up six and a half points to the Broncos. And the over-under, lower than the other game, 43 and a half for this game. See? I, I understand that because I understand that Brady has not looked like Brady. And I understand that the, the Broncos now have a 
basically backup quarterback and they've just signed Bortles to be the backup to the backup. Um, I, I, I don't know. I guess uh, to me, the six and a half, I think that Tampa Bay covers that. I don't think that Denver's backup quarterback, especially with Sutton out, isn't Cortland Sutton out? Um, so, yeah, so he's out. Uh, Melvin Gordon looks pretty good. Doubtful. What's that? Philip Lindsay's doubtful with turf toe. He's probably not going to play. Yeah, but he's kind of been uh, just like an understudy to, to Gordon. I, I still think, though, that with Gordon in the back, they're going to stack the box against this backup quarterback, and, and they're going to stuff that run, make him throw the ball, and he doesn't have anybody to throw to. Hopefully Noah Font, because he's in my fantasy. Me too. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think that Tampa Bay covers the six and a half, and I think it's going to be over because I'm thinking like 35 to 14 or something like that. Um, yeah, that's why it's it's so low is because of the backup quarter situation, backup quarterback situation. Um, now, I'm trying to bring it up right now because I saw an interesting stat. There it is. Tom Brady's record at mile high. Do you know it? Ooh, uh, how many games? Nine. Three and six. Very, very close. Two and seven. Right. Two and seven. And I'm worried about that. I'm legit worried. I don't know if it's just – you know, the fair, I'm not really sure. Um, but with the backup quarterback, with no Cortland Sutton, with no number two running back, um, and the way our secondary is playing right now, Carlton Davis is locking down teams' number ones. I mean, shutting them down. And then Jamel Dean and, and uh, Sean Murphy Bunting are doing their thing. Uh, um, Antoine Winfield is being the player we thought he would. He, he had a sack strip fumble last week. Um, I, I love our secondary, so I agree completely with you. I think it's we cover the six and a half, and uh, the game is going to go over. All right. That brings us to my team, which is the New England Patriots at one and one going in to play the two and oh Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders are actually getting six points from the Patriots, uh, despite the better record. The over under is 47 and a half. Oh, this is a tough one for me. Um, <laughs> I, I I think that the Patriots cover the spread. I think that they cover the six, um, and I think that they win. And I, the over-under, though, is tough because I think they win defensively. You know what I mean? So I'm thinking like like a 23-20 game. I, I'm going to go under. I'm going to go Patriots and under. Unfortunately, I love the Raiders this year. I if you watched on Monday uh, for the Monday night game, I actually told people to take the money line. Don't even take the points because the Raiders are going to win that game outright. And they did. Um, but this is a little different. I think Bill Belichick's going to have a plan for Gruden. I think he's going to have a plan for this team. And I, I actually, unfortunately think that the Patriots do cover. And I think it's under also. Um, uh, hopefully we don't agree too much in this, but <laughs> You know, it just it, it you know it, it really does make sense. Bill Belichick is gonna figure out a way to stop Derek Carr. You know, he 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 blitzes extremely well and plays great. I feel like zone coverage, <clears throat> and I think that's gonna hurt Derek Carr because all he likes to do is dink and dunk. So I, well, I, I think it'll be an issue. You see, what I think though is that you know Bill Belichick loves to play man to man defense. He hates playing zone. He had to go he zone. Plays against- it really well. In my well, I feel like he had to go zone against Seattle because Russell Wilson could run. You don't have to worry about that with Derek Carr, so you can go straight man-to-man, and I think that the Patriots' defensive backfield is good enough to play man-to-man against all those Raiders receivers. Um, I mean, you get Henry Ruggs you know, cur- or, uh, going across the middle and you're trying to run behind him in man coverage, I don't like that matchup. 
you know, that's really what it is. They, they run all these slants and, and, you know, uh, crossing patterns and things like that. And, and I don't like man coverage chasing guys across the field is my only issue. But Bill Belichick's far smarter than I am defensively. So <laughs> well, plus, I'm not worried about him figuring out something. I'm thinking Ruggs is 5'10 and basically is a rookie wide receiver. So I think he gets jammed the line a lot this game. He may. I mean, we'll see. I mean, he hasn't done the explosive, you know, things he's used to. We'll see who Stephon Gilmore, you know, shadows. Um, he normally shadows the bigger-bodied receiver, regardless of kind of who's the number one. So so we'll see. It'll be, it'll be a great matchup, but I agree with you. Yeah. Next game I have on the docket here, we've got the Carolina Panthers. 0-2, getting 6.5 against the Chargers, 1-1. And, and uh, Justin Herbert, who is coming off a pretty good game, Uh Here's the thing about this case. Uh, Over-under is 44 on this one. So here's my take on this. I know that the Panthers are 0-2. I think Teddy Bridgewater has looked pretty good, and I don't feel like they're an 0-2 team. The Chargers at 1-1 I think are more like an 0-2 team, and I would say that the Panthers are absolutely going to cover the spread. I think the Panthers win this game, and I would take the over. Uh, oh, actually, McCaffrey's out, right? Is McCaffrey out this week? All right, so that changes things. I'm still, I'm still taking the Panthers. I think the Panthers are the better team. I'm taking them, and, and I'm going to go with the under now. Panthers and under. I, I have the same thing. Panthers and under. I, I, I was I was more giving you the eye because are you really going to put the money line bet on them? Because <laughs> that would be sick. I don't hate the money line bet. If you're if you're risking a, an, an underdog this week, I think that's your matchup um, because I agree with everything you said. I don't care how good Justin Herbert looked. Now we have film on him, and and – preparing for a quarterback like Tyrod Taylor an entire week and then literally 30 minutes before game time you find out you're playing Justin Herbert changes your entire game plan it changes everything so it's not surprising the Chiefs look you know pretty bad I don't think the Panthers are going to look like that I think they're going to be ready the Panthers defense is awful but I do think it's going to be able to hold up against a rookie quarterback and I I fully expect the Panthers to cover and the under as well all right so let's go on to our next game here. We've got the Chicago Bears, 2-0, surprisingly 2-0, against the 0-2 Falcons, who get plus four points. And the overrun on this one's 47 and a half. Now, my take on this here is, again, the Bears, I like Trubisky. I don't love them. Uh, the Falcons have looked like absolute crap. I think I had them pegged going 3-13 and or like 4-12 and when we did our preseason things. I really don't like that team at all. Um, I said, you know, Matt Ryan's going to take a step back. He actually looked great week one, but um, he looked great still, week two as well. Did he, see, I didn't see the stats. I saw week one, he had like 40 passes. and four touchdowns or something like that. All right, yeah. So I guess it's not really his fault, but that just that team is just trash. And Chicago, I as much as I hate saying Brandon's right, they do have a good defense, and they do have a defense that can carry Mitch Trubisky, who I think if they're starting to play to his style of letting him kind of roll out of the pocket and hit those short, like comebackers and like, you know, hit the slant pass. I think that's his strength. Keep doing that. I think Chicago wins this game. Now do they cover the spread? Let me just click on this here again. It's four. They have to give up four to the Falcons. Um, I say the bears win, but they don't cover the spread. So I would take the Falcons and the four points and I would go under Falcons money line, baby. You don't need no points. Falcons win this game outright. Um, I I don't care how good that defense is. You're not covering Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and Hayden Hurst. I don't I don't see it happening. Um, the Falcons score points. It doesn't matter who who they're playing against. They're going to score points. Um, so I think 
and I don't think Chicago can do that <laughs> is essentially what this comes down to. Um, Trubisky's going to have a bad game eventually. This is going to be it, in my opinion. Um, I got the Falcons outright. 47? 47. So, I actually got to go under, I think, though, because I think it could end like, you know, 30 to 13 or something like that. Okay. And that then brings us to our next game, which we have the Cincinnati Bengals getting five and a half from the Philadelphia Eagles. 46 is the over-under. Uh, Joe Burrows looks pretty good. Um, I mean, both these teams are pretty trash. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, I, I guess – God, let me take a look at that line again. So, again, we've got plus five and a half for the Bengals. Do they cover the five and a half? Um, I think they get blown out by the Eagles. I really do. I, I still think Carson Wentz is, is solid. Um, 46. I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to say Eagles and under. I'd say Eagles and under on this one. I got the Eagles in the over. Um, I think, you know, the Eagles offensive line is just atrocious. I mean, it's so bad. I, I mean, Losing Andre Dillard was such a huge loss. Then losing uh, Big V to Detroit in the offseason was such a big loss. And they just don't have the depth there. But I don't think the Bengals have the defensive line talent to really kind of give them an issue. Uh, so I got the Eagles and the over. All right. So, so far we're pretty close here. Yeah. The Seattle Seahawks, we've got 2-0. and They are giving five points to the Dallas Cowboys at 1-1. and 55 and a half is the over-under on this one. So my take, I guess, on this game here, I like Seattle. I like what I saw against New England, but I also think that New England does not have nearly the weapons that Dallas has with the receiving core and the running back and the offensive line. And Dallas's defense is no sham either. New England's defense did okay against Seattle, but there is no way that you know the Dallas Cowboys don't cover that spread. Cowboys plus five, I would take that all day long. 55 and a half, I'll go over on that. I think that both those teams score a lot of points. So I'll say Cowboys take the five and uh, over, I go over. Um, I don't disagree with anything you said, but Russell Wilson looks like he's on a mission this year. Um, I think that I mean, my, my my head is telling me to take Dallas in the points, but my gut is telling me to go Russell Wilson um, and the Seahawks. So I'm going to go Russell Wilson, giving up the points, and definitely the over that game. I mean, that game – I mean, I don't I don't really touch over-unders, but, I mean, that game is definitely going over. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We get uh... – the Arizona Cardinals at 2-0 are giving 5.5 to the Detroit Lions. 54.5 is the over-under in that game. And, again, the Arizona Cardinals, this was a team that I think I had getting a wild card going like 12-4 and or 13-3. and and get, No, 12-4 and and getting the wild card because I think that I had Seattle as winning the division. But I do think that, I mean, Kyler Murray looks fantastic and he's just doing whatever he wants. I think that the Lions look atrocious. Matt Patricia's gone. He is so gone. And so I'm going to say that the Cardinals cover the spread, and I would take the over because I would look for a, a four-touchdown game here from Kyler Murray. Agreed. I mean, 100%. Well, everything you said. The the Lions look bad. We talked about it on Monday. I don't know how Matt Patricia is even still employed. It doesn't make sense to me. I get maybe they gave him a little leash because last year he lost Matt Stafford. But, I mean, they look bad. They look just as bad this year. They can't do anything right. Um, they're the defense and he's supposed to be a defensive specialist. I thought they look awful. 
Uh, it, it's just not working out in Detroit, and they get blown out. I think this game, it could be forty-five ten. I mean, like, <laughs> shit, this game is going to get bad. I think, um, and I take the over also. Now, let me ask you this question: If Patricia is fired, does he end up the defensive coordinator in Miami under Flores, who was his I mean, mentor? He probably he he gets the defensive coordinator job somewhere. Does he end up back in New England? Does I don't know how his relationship with with Bill is. Does he go help Mike Vabrell out in Tennessee? You know he's going to get a job. Everyone remembers how great he was as a defensive coordinator. Nobody's going to forget that. I mean he's he's that's what he does well. You know we talked about it on Monday. A lot of guys are good coordinators and terrible coaches. Josh McDaniel's the perfect example. The guy's a terrible head coach, but I mean, as an offensive coordinator, there may not be one better. So, you know, find your lane. Matt Patricia needs, needs to realize that he's a defensive coordinator, not a head coach. Uh, getting the next game, we got the Green Bay Packers are actually getting three from the Saints, even though they're two and zero. Oh, the Saints are one and one. The over under that one's fifty one and a half. Talk about two quarterbacks who can put up a lot of points um, and have been as these guys here. So I'm already taking the over. The question is Green Bay plus three over New Orleans. Um, I mean, Drew Brees hasn't looked great, but he is great. And I don't know. I I think Aaron Rodgers has been fantastic. Aaron Jones has been doing great. I'm going to take Green Bay. I'll take the points. Green Bay and the points. And I'm going to take the over because I think this is going to be like a a 35-30 game. Yeah, I mean, you have to take the over. Green Bay's given up 30, and they just gave up 21 to the Lions. Um, so you got to take the the over, but yeah, I'm taking Green Bay in the points. Honestly, I take a money line. I think Green Bay is a much better team. New Orleans still without Michael Thomas. I know Green Bay is probably not going to have Devontae Adams, but I don't think that doesn't worry me as much because Aaron Jones is a baller right now. He's just playing out of his mind. So I'm going to go Green Bay and the over. I didn't realize how many games we got left here. So let's see. We get the, <laughs> the Los Angeles Rams here are 2-0. and They're getting two points from the 2-0 and Buffalo Bills. The over-under on that one is 48. And, I mean, the Rams are 2-0, and but they're a team, I don't know. Uh, Higby looked really good last week. Um, the Bills, I, I like the Bills' defense. Uh, I'm still not a huge Josh Allen guy because I still think he doesn't complete a ton of passes. I just don't love um Josh like Allen is the truth, bro. I like I like I like golf. Uh, <laughs> so, let me see. If I'm gonna take this, I'm probably gonna go uh, Rams in the points, and I'm gonna take the under on this one. Me too. Um, unfortunately, me too. I'm I'm a giant Bills fan. I love them. Honestly, I think they are incredible. I really, 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 really like Josh Allen. I don't know if they have an answer for Aaron Donald on the inside, though. I really think he's going to wreak havoc this game, and that's kind of what I'm leaning on. And I also think they have the secondary that can stop Josh Allen. But we'll see. I I think this one's going to be one of the better games of the week. The Rams have outplayed um, their their my initial thought on them. I think they're a much better team than I initially gave them credit for. Um, Tyler Higby's a baller. The kid is a monster. Uh, and and that one's, I think, a sneaky win for the for the Rams. All right. And then we get into the Jets are 0-2. They're getting 11 points uh, to go up against the Colts, who are 1-1. One one. The over-under is 43.5, so apparently Vegas doesn't think these teams are going to score a lot of points, but they think that New York needs a lot of points. New York's a team I I liked, Arnold. I, I don't think that they're as bad as the 0-2. I don't know if the culture is bad as one and one, but 
neither of these teams really does anything for me. I definitely don't think there's an 11-point difference between these two. So I would take the plus 11 in New York all day long because I don't think there's that big of a spread. The over-under, I mean, do these teams put up a lot of points when they play against each other? I don't think the Jets put up hardly any points, so I guess they're relying on the defense. So I'm going to take the under on this one, and I'm going to say the Jets take the 11, though. I mean, there's a rule in sports betting, especially the NFL. If you get a double-digit spread, you take it. Um, Most games do not, especially if you're a home dog, then you take it. Now, this is an away dog, but away games don't exist. There's no fans. So, I mean, that's, that's why a lot of these spreads, I think, don't make a ton of sense to me personally. Like the last game, the Bears are a plus two spread because they're at home. Well, there's no home field advantage, so what the fuck's it matter? Um, but I don't think the Jets are. Uh, I, mean, I gotta take the Colts here. I got. I'm taking the. I'm giving up the 11 points. Um, I'm breaking. I know. I'm breaking my rule here. Uh, this one's gonna come and bite me in the ass. I can already feel it. You never give up 11 points, but I'm giving up the 11 points and I'm taking the under. Uh, I just don't like the Jets organization at all. I don't like anything about it. All right. Well, let's take a look at uh, the Texans at 0-2 against the 2-0 Steelers, only getting four from that Steelers team whose defense is pretty solid, but I guess the Texans haven't looked completely horrendous. 45 is the over-under on this one here. Uh, I think the Steelers beat them, and I think they cover the spread, so I would take the Steelers. Let me take a look at the over-under again here. Uh, 45, uh, 25, 20. I would take the over. So I'm going to say uh, Pittsburgh, uh, take Pittsburgh and give up the four and take the over. Exactly. agree. 100%. Pittsburgh's for real. Pittsburgh, people are trying to th- feel like Pittsburgh's the team that, you know, was a crappy team last year. But Pittsburgh's for real. They're really good. I really like their team. Their defense is – it's a bad matchup, I think, for Houston in that defense um, or in that offense. So, yeah, I, I think – you know, take the Steelers, um, give up the points, and then take the over. Yeah. We've got the New York football Giants at getting four points from the 49ers, who basically have a JV team out there now. Right, versus and San Francisco injuries. That's right. <laughs> the over-under of 41. Um, Just I mean, avoid that, this game, folks. I mean, this, <laughs> this game is nuts. And it was Saquon Barkley done for the year. That killed a lot of fantasy teams, huh? Sterling Shepard's um, out for two or three weeks. Like, there's so much going on with both these teams that, like, honestly, just avoid it. <laughs> yeah. If you're betting I, I it, still think, we're gonna I still it, think yeah. San, Fran, San Fran's still the, the better team. I think that they cover the four. I think New York, it's, this could be a shutout. I, th- I think New York's going to get absolutely pummeled. Uh, I, I've never mentioned, I think I've mentioned it before. I don't like Daniel Jones. Uh, so I'm going to say take San Francisco, give up the points. The 41, I'm going to go under because, like I said, I think it's going to be a shutout and it's probably going to be like 23 to nothing. Shit, um, I I mean I, you have to take San Francisco here, I guess. Um, I mean they're going to run the ball a lot, and New York doesn't really have a good run defense, so it's not, you know, they've, they've got essentially nothing at linebackers, so you've got really nothing to be worried about. Um, I don't think they're going to get shut out, but I take the under also. This game could easily be fourteen seven or fourteen three or something like that. This could be a terrible game. <laughs> it's going to be a terrible game. It's going to be so bad. Um, two games to go on the docket here. I've got uh, the Tennessee Titans at 2-0, and giving up 2.5 to the 0-2 Minnesota Vikings over under 47.5. Ryan Tannehill looks really good. He looks really accurate. Um, hitting the tight end is his receivers look like they're doing pretty good. Derrick Henry obviously is always a horse. Kirk Cousins, I think, looks really bad. And Shock. that's why it surprised me. They're only giving him 2.5. So oh. I'm going to... I'm it'd, be say, really, it'd really be five and a half because they're at home. Okay, well, I'm so, going to say. Yeah. 
Yeah, I must say, just take Tennessee and the and, and give up the points. And the over-under of 47 and a half. Oh, let's see, 24. I'm going to take under on this one. I think these are both more run teams than they are pass teams, so I'm going to say under. Uh, I agree. I mean, if the spread should be five and a half or six, if, if you're, if you want my honest opinion, but if they're at home, so they're, again, they're giving them credit for that. That's like three points essentially in the betting world. So it's, it's odd to me that they're even doing that, but yeah, Tennessee covers the two and a half, I think pretty easily, although this looks like a trap game. Um, and I think they go over Minnesota's defense is atrocious. It's, it's arguably the worst defense in the league. They lost their entire secondary pretty much well, cornerback wise. Um, so, and they're hurting back there. They can't stop anybody. So yeah, I, I think, Tennessee in the over for me. All right. And then the last game I have in here is I have uh, the Washington football team at one and one getting seven from Second the Cleveland Browns. Well, I didn't do the Monday night game. Oh, because we'll do that Monday. That's right. You're yeah. so smart, Wayne. You're so smart. <laughs> so the Browns at one and one giving up seven points over under 44. The Washington football team, I'm surprised they're getting seven here. They haven't looked that bad. They actually look okay. Um, I know that they're, they're on paper, they look bad, but like their play, okay, and their defense is okay. I mean, they have a good pass rush. Um, I would absolutely take them in the seven because I don't think Cleveland looks great. They're a team that I don't think looks phenomenal. They've got a lot of weapons. I don't think San Francisco scores a lot of points. That's my only concern. So if I'm guessing that San Fran, I mean, if I'm guessing that uh, the Redskins cover the spread, but it's a lower scoring game, I'm probably gonna go Redskins take the seven, but under on the forty four. Man, we agree. I'm going to tell you, Redskins take the seven. Jedrick Wills, while he's looked decent, um, he's been getting abused in, in pass rushing sets. Um, and I think that continues. And like you said, I think that's kind of what makes the difference here. I think Washington's pass rush um, kind of disrupts everything that, that uh, the Browns want to do. Um, but the Browns do have an, a pretty decent run game. So I think it'll be a, a lot closer. But I think the Browns win the game, but the Redskins cover the spread. Um, and then I take the under as well. All right. And that kind of covers up our week. Now we get to our favorite infinity five. Uh, we talked about this before the show a little bit, but basically we talked about coaching changes and these are five coaches that we would like to see at the professional ranks. Like we would love to see these people as coaches. Uh, and to give you an idea of what I'm talking about, this one's kind of a personal one. I mentioned this one to Sully before we started. My number five is Ryan day, the Ohio state Buckeyes head coach because I played football against Ryan Day in high school. I played at Concord High School. He played at Manchester Central. We played them homecoming my junior year. They were up 42 nothing at halftime. They won 49-7 because they put their JV team in the second half. <laughs> but he was the Gatorade uh, High School Football Player of the Year for New Hampshire two years in a row, went to UNH, played for Chip Kelly, and he ended up uh, on Urban Meyer's staff and became the head coach at Ohio State. But I would like to see him get a head coaching job because that way I could say, hey, I played against that guy. <laughs> Uh, that, I mean, I, I like it. You know what I mean? These are all going to be a little, you know, I think personal, uh, except the one I stole from you um, because she deserves her right. Uh, and that's Becky Hammond. Um, I, I, I would love to see her coach. I think everyone in the league would see, like to see her coach. I think she's she's earned it. The players respect her. Um, so that would be my number five. I'd love to see her coach. Admittedly, you did tell me you had her on the list. So I stole her from you. But that's because I think she deserves a double mention, if we're being honest. Um, she's probably the number one NBA coach, I think, that deserves a shot. 
For sure. And I, I think that go, even going against kind of like what I was talking about earlier, where I was talking about, you know, women and men in sports, yeah. I, I do think that Becky Hammond could open so many doors because I think that women should be able to coach men's college basketball, men's high school basketball and pros if they okay. know the game. And, and she knows the game. She's, she's studied under Greg Popovich. She's got no better tutor. Exactly. And she is a true student of the game. You know what I mean? Like she went out there and, and actually studied a lot of it and things like that. So, you know, I, I'd love to see her. She needs her dues. Now, my number four, uh, again, this one's a personal favorite. He's a, currently a player, so he's not even retired yet, but I would love to see him as a manager in uh, the European Soccer League, and that is Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Um, I think he would be the most hilarious manager. Uh, just the quotes, the press conferences every game would be absolutely hysterical. His ego is far too big. He'd be out there and he'd be like, why can't you just do it like me? Like, it would <laughs> I can do it. Why can't you fucking do it, bro? He would that absolutely was... in press conferences say, you know, they'd say, oh, well, do you think you have a chance against whatever, like Borussia Dortmund, whoever he's, he goes, do you have a chance against those guys? He goes, well, I might have to suit up and play for this one. Yeah, we'll like 100% he would. There's no way he would. Man, that's ridiculous. Um, my number four is Dabo Sweeney. Um, I'd love to see the guy uh, coach in the league. I think he's an incredibly smart gentleman. I think he runs his program incredibly well. Um, I think he has a, a, a solid, just all-around game. I think he understands the game very well, so I'd love to see him in the pro ranks. Most of the time, college coaches don't do well. I think he's one of the rare ones that I think would do pretty well. Yeah, and, and we talked about it a little bit before uh, we got into it, and I was saying, like, you know, of all the college coaches, I mean, Urban Meyer's a guy I would really like to see from the college ranks into the pros. Um, I don't know how he would do, but I, I would like to see him. Um, my number three actually is a guy, a very nice guy, unlike Zlatan. This is somebody who's actually really likable. Um, I, like Zlatan, I like Zlatan because of how unlikable he is. Um, but this is a guy who is America's sweetheart, and I would love to see him become a Major League Baseball manager, and that's Cal Ripken Jr. I think would be uh, the oh, Orioles wow, manager would be fantastic. That's a really good one. I, I, I like that one a lot, actually. That would be a really cool one. Um, my number three is another one I stole from you. Right. Um, but, I mean, it's pretty obvious, I think. Uh, it's Coach K. Um you know, I think I think I'd love to see him. He needs to. You know, it's been long enough. I, I would. I really, truly hope we do end up seeing it. Um, I, I mean, he just needs to. Like you'll mention more of the reasons. I'll let you give it. But yeah, I'd love to see Coach Gay. Yeah, for sure. And and like you said, you, you stole a couple of mine. Actually, those are my two and my one. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My number two is a uh, Becky Hammond. You know, we, we already talked about it. I, I'd love to see her get the head coaching job, open those doors. I'd love to see more female coaches. We're seeing it in the NFL now, female assistant coaches. Um, but it's just we see so many male coaches at the WNBA or the female college level. And I think it's only fair that we should have female coaches at the male level. And like I said, if they know the game, and she does, she was a 3,000-point like scorer in college, uh, and she played in the WNBA, and now she's learned under Tim Duncan and Greg Popovich. There's no better way to learn. People like that deserve a shot, and so I would really love to see her kind of open that door and get a few more female head coaches in there. Yeah, no, I, I'd love to see that as well. I think it'd be fantastic. We agree 100% wholeheartedly there. Um, my number two is uh, I'd love to see Ken Griffey Jr. come up and coach. Again, I don't know if, he, if he'd if he be good enough to um, or anything like that because I don't know how much of a student of the game he was, but I, I, he's just a personal favorite of mine, so I'd love to see him either coach the Reds or the or the uh, Mariners. I initially had Pete Rose on my list, but 
the ban obviously hurts that. If they somehow could get rid of his ban and and then he can come back and manage, I think that'd be dope because he was already a pretty successful manager at, at, during his stint. So, yeah, Griffey. I, I could see Griffey being like a, a hitting coach, but like I said, I don't know how he does a manager. I'm not, yeah, I, I never, yeah. I never really got that like cerebral feel from him. I'm not saying he's dumb, but I, just, I never got that feeling like he's like, oh, I understand. Well, if he was team. more of just a natural kind of athlete, went out there and swung and was able to do things very gifted naturally. So I agree. I don't know if he was more of like a student of the game and where he had to, you know, really learn how to hit and do everything right, or if it just came naturally. But again, he's just more of like a, like I mean, he's my favorite player you know, of my generation. So, you know, well, you know what I think it is. I think it's because he looked like he was having fun out there. Yeah. And so you don't assume those players can be like, like Frank Thomas was a great athlete, but Frank Thomas had that commanding presence. I could see him being a manager and be like, yo, knock it off. And, (laughs) you know, whereas Griffey just seemed like playful. I don't know if people would respect him in the dugout. You know, Joe Madden's very playful. You never really see him scowl, but I mean, I agree, but you know, he may just be a player's coach, you know, who knows? Yeah. Uh, my number one is Coach K. Like you said, uh, you know, Coach K did coach uh, several of the USA basketball teams. He coached Kobe. Kobe had always said that uh, other than Phil Jackson, that's the only head coach he wa- ever yeah. wanted to play for. Uh, I actually thought uh, before his passing, and every time I talk about it, I still get pissed off that it happened. But um, I always thought that Kobe Bryant was going to end up succeeding Coach K at Duke. I, I always thought that he was going to oh, be wow. the head coach. And, and because Kobe has that – mentality like he's just so so smart like steve nash just so smart um but to get away from that so coach k coached him on the usa team he's coached nba players coach k was an assistant coach on the original dream team with michael jordan and charles barkley so he's been around nba players i think it would be such a smooth transition for him to take over any team in the league and immediately i think all right well that's that's a, even if it's the worst team who's the worst team right now i mean not golden state they don't really count but like let's say like a sacramento if you put coach k at the head of sacramento i'd be like dude that's a seven or eight to six seed right now yeah i mean i don't disagree with you there i think he has the track record to to make it work. He also has the res- the respect from all these other people, and and I think that's where a lot of these college coaches lack is the respect from these NBA players. But Coach K is it, an infinite source of knowledge, so all of these players would respect him, and I one hundred percent agree. Um, my number one is no shock if you're a friend of mine. But I would pull Sir Alex Ferguson out of retirement and throw him right back on that Manchester United team, and we'd win all the titles in the entire fucking world like we used to. Uh, the day he left was the saddest day of my life. Uh, we just essentially fell off a cliff once he retired. We've never been the same team since, and I want him back. I want you back, <laughs> Sir Alex. I want you back. All right. Well, I guess that's kind of like me wanting uh, Phil Jackson back to the Lakers. Like, come on, man. <laughs> like, come on, man. This is your home. You don't like your home? <laughs> well, let me ask you that. And we may have discussed this on a previous show, but speaking of coaches and Phil Jackson and the Lakers, right, um, a lot of people obviously give LeBron crap about the whole three and six in the finals and his record and all that stuff. And, nine finals, and they give him crap. Yeah, he made it nine. <laughs> I do contend, though, that had LeBron played his entire career or a majority of his career under Phil Jackson, he might have eight. I don't think that's crazy. Um, I really don't. I don't think that's crazy to say. If if he would have done it with any great coach, I think. But Phil especially, I agree, because for one, Phil has the pull to like make a lot of things happen around the league too. Like I think he'd have gotten a superstar for LeBron to play with and things like that much earlier in his career. So I don't disagree with that whatsoever. 
Well, Phil knew what buttons to push to get the most out of you. And I I think that he would have gotten the most out of LeBron has been fortunate in his mind, I guess, to play for coaches who've allowed him to run the team, to run it on the floor, to run it in the background when it comes to picking up other players. Like, coaches have just been puppets. Spolstra was the first one who wasn't, you know, because Riley said, no, he's got my full backing. You got to do whatever he says. Um, but Spolstra didn't have the swagger of a Phil Jackson. And I think that if you had had like a Phil Jackson with LeBron James, his whole career, somebody that LeBron knew he couldn't steamroll, but also somebody who knew exactly how to make LeBron do what he wanted. I think you would, you would have seen that, uh, whatever it was, the 2008, not 2008, um, 2016 finals, LeBron, whereas you would have seen that every season of his career, every game. Yeah. And, and what's, I think that's what's disappointing to most LeBron fans is you see him play that way, and then you wonder why he doesn't play that way all the time. So so that covers our show. We appreciate you sticking with us. Like I said, it's an hour and 15 minutes, so that's why you got to go check us out on YouTube because the whole video is there. Check out the audio, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher because uh, if you listen tomorrow, you're not going to hear the whole thing, so you're going to miss out on some really good stuff. And make sure you make your bets. Obviously, me and Sully pretty much agree on all the games with a couple of disagreements, so it's not going to be very interesting when we tally it all up. You know? <laughs> but um, hopefully we get some good games. Like we said, stay away from the Giants and 49ers. Do not watch Just, that. Don't even don't even care about it. Just, Just pretend go, it's not happening. Go yeah. stare under the sun. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, though, I think that's pretty much covers our thing. Um, I think it's my turn to throw it, it to. So, uh, hey, Kenny, I was curious. Uh, what's up, man? 